Good morning, everyone. You're listening to the World Teacher Program for Share International New Zealand on Planet FM 104.6. Each Friday morning, we bring you information from the teachers of the Atheist Wisdom. The purpose of our program is to introduce Maitreya, the world teacher for the age of Aquarius. Maitreya does not come alone. He brings with him the Masters of Wisdom, a group of highly evolved teachers. They work in many fields and can teach us the art of living, how to live in right relationship with each other. With their inspiration, we can transform our civilization, creating justice and peace for us all. Good morning, everyone, and welcome once again to our wonderful program about Maitreya and other wonderful things that we need to know in the world today. And today, our program actually features stories of angelic encounters. The following few paragraphs from Share International magazine are an introduction to these experiences. Over a number of years, some of the masters, in particular Maitreya and Master Jesus, have appeared at Benjamin Krem's lectures and transmission meditations. They also appear in different guises to large numbers of people around the world. Some of these recount their experiences to Share International magazine. If the experiences are authenticated by Benjamin Krem's master, the letters are published. These experiences are given to inspire, to guide or teach, often to heal and uplift. Very often they draw attention to or comment on, in an amusing way, some fixed intolerance. Many times the masters act as saving angels in accidents during wartime, earthquakes and other disasters. They use a familiar, a thought form who seems real and through whom the master's thoughts are expressed. They can appear as a man, a woman, a child at will. Occasionally they use the blueprint of a real person, but in most cases the familiar is a new creation. And the following story appeared in May 2013's Share International magazine. On the 3rd of February 2013, BBC Television's popular religious program titled Songs of Praise featured stories about angel experiences titled I Believe in Angels. It included a remarkable encounter described by Roy Godwin of an event that took place one evening in December 1981. When driving with his wife and children along a road that ran through dense forest, Mr. Godwin's car was hit head-on by a car overtaking another. He says, It was very serious indeed. I was quite clear that I was dying. Both the police and an ambulance came. Smoke started to come up from the front of the car and they needed to get everybody out. They couldn't get me out because I was well and truly trapped in there. While waiting to be freed, he describes seeing a figure walking towards him. He says, I was alone in the car. Suddenly, through the darkness, came a figure, and he walked very steadily and clearly, straight between the trees through the forest, which was impenetrable, certainly at that time, with brambles. But he walked in a straight line, straight to the side of the car, and he climbed in. The seat was covered with broken glass, but he simply sat there. 
He was wearing a coat with a hood up. I didn't see his face. He put his arm straight across my shoulder. It felt as though I had been plugged into the mains. This incredible force and power was just continuously flooding through me. The paramedics then said that they were going to take his family to hospital. Mr Godwin said, At that point, this person who was sitting by me climbed out of the car and said, with a very strong and clear voice, Stop. The person spoke directly to the police and paramedics, saying to them, You are to bring his wife over here to him, and so they brought her over to him. The person then addressed Mr Godwin, Man, you are to know that your wife and children, you as a family, will be together again and whole, and you are to be and you are to disregard anything anyone else tells you. When Mr Goodwin arrived at the hospital, he was immediately wheeled into theatre. He was asked to sign a form giving consent to amputate his left foot and lower leg. I couldn't give them that permission because all I could hear was you are to disregard anything anyone says. You and your family will be together and you will be whole. And so I didn't have my foot amputated and I have it today. And we are doing very well today together. After the event, he describes how he began to wonder if it had all been a dream. But some weeks later, unexpectedly, the police visited him. They said they wanted to ask two questions. Given the extent of the damage to the car, they wanted to know whether I had any explanation to how it was that I was still alive. And then their second question was about the figure who was in the car with me, who carried such authority that they had unhesitatingly obeyed it. It seemed to me, though, God sent an angel to help me. I knew I wasn't abandoned. I knew I wasn't on my own. I was clear that God was going to carry me through where I was, and I felt loved. That article was originally sourced from the BBC, Songs of Praise. And, uh, by the way, Benjamin Krem's master confirms that the hooded stranger was the master Jesus. The master's article from the January-February 1996 double edition of Share International magazine explains the phenomenon of angel encounters and it's entitled The Master's Enter Man's Domain. And it begins... Whenever man is afraid, it turns to God or the angels for help and assurance. Thus it is today in the midst of man's deepening crisis. On all sides, the cry for help arises, and in answer to that cry, the agents of God respond. We, the architects of the new time, know that deep in the hearts of all men lies a firm belief in higher help and guidance, and it is our joy and our age-old duty to provide them. Slowly but very surely, man's awareness grows of the unseen forces which surround him and which are ever ready to succor and aid him. That man mistakes the identity of these forces is not important. Masters or angels? Few there are who know the truth. When we, the brethren, appear as angels, we do so in accordance with the law of recognition. In this way, men know that they are not alone. When high evolution permits, we need no subterfuge and demonstrate our true appearance. Thus it is that some see angels while others recognize the brotherhood. More than ever before, our dealings with men in daily fashion proceed apace. Whenever opportunity permits, we render service and make our presence known. In this way, men realize that the time of times is approaching and that the great Lord is with us, that the isolation of man has come to an end. 
Whether men see us as angels or as men, they will know that help is ever available. They have only to ask that the help and vote may not correspond to their desires is a lesson which must be learned. We work ever within the law and the plan and fashion our aid accordingly. Angels and myriads there are, but they touch not yet the lives of men. The time is coming, however, when these unseen forces will offer to men their healing power and knowledge and safely enter man's province. Meanwhile, we, the teachers, the elder brothers of men, act to bridge the gulf between the kingdoms. Thus can we safely oversee the congruence of men and angels. We are the go-betweens, the willing helpers of both men and the devic forces, the ever-present administrators of God's plan and purpose, the alleviators of suffering and the agents of God's love. Soon, in large numbers, men will see us, know us for what we are. We are your brothers gone ahead before you, your willing guides and helpers your higher intermediaries, your mentors and teachers, your muses and inspirers, your faithful servants and eternal lovers. We answer your call for secure and enter your domain. Our next article is abbreviated from an interview with Emma Heathcote by Jill Fry and is titled Encounters with Angels. Emma Heathcote, a 22-year-old graduate of theology from Birmingham University in the UK, is researching angel encounters and hopes to show that people of all religions and those of none are having the same experiences. After placing advertisements in newspapers and religious magazines requesting accounts of angel experiences, she has collected a substantial number of testimonies. Emma Heathcote begins by saying... As well as the frequent mention of angels in the New Testament, angels are mentioned in the Quran, the Hindu scriptures, Greek mythology, and the Old Testament. The Greek word for angel is angelos, meaning messenger. The Hebrew word is malak, meaning divine spirit. And the Persian word is angelos, which translates as courier. Angels are mentioned in all religions, and they always seem to play the same role. For many people who have written to me, it has given them hope, calm and reassurance and has often helped them out of a difficult difficult or dangerous situation. I heard from one man who was waiting to cross a busy road on his way to work. Seeing a gap in the traffic, he stepped out, only for an elderly lady he had never seen before to stretch her arm out in front of his chest with such force it prevented him from crossing. Seconds later, a sports car sped past, which would otherwise certainly have hit him. He turned around to thank the woman, but she was nowhere to be seen. In that kind of life-threatening situation, the angel often then disappears. From my research, angel experiences seem to fall into five main categories. The first is visual, where the angel appears in either traditional winged angel or human form, or often as a figure in white. The second experience is an unexplained strong, sweet scent, which is very common at the time of death. A third category is hearing a voice or a choir of angels, often inside a place of worship. A fourth category is an actual physical feeling, which often happens to elderly people. The feeling of wings being enveloped around them is a common occurrence. One elderly woman wrote to me and described how when her husband died, she hated going to bed because she missed him so much and described how she would see and feel her duvet turn into a pair of angelic wing-like comforting arms. Interestingly, she was an atheist. 
I've heard from several people who at the time of needing comfort experienced wings enveloping them, but there was no visible angel. Another kind of physical feeling is touch. One woman wrote to me relating how at her son's funeral she saw an angel and felt it touch her cheek. Countless people have written to me have not only seen but have felt the touch of an angel. The fifth category is light, either a beam or a ray of light. Often at the time of a loved one's death, a ray of light seems to shoot upwards. One writer describes seeing her father slip from the bottom of the bed, stand next to an angel, look around the room and then pass upwards into the beam of light. The mother was also in the room and although she didn't see this, she sensed what was happening. Many experiences happen around death, hence the expression, the angel of death. There are many sorts of angels. Some people imagine just the traditional image of the halo with wings, etc. But some angels appear as a figure in white or as a normal human being. There is always something different about them, though. The angel is usually a person not known to the individual. They turn up, often with split-second timing, at a time of immediate danger. They perform their deed, often do not speak, and then disappear. In one letter I received, a family were touring Wales when their car became stuck in a muddy lane. Out of nowhere, four hikers came to help them and lifted the car out of the mud and onto dry land. When the family turned round to thank them, they had disappeared. There were fields surrounding them on all sides. There was nowhere the four men could have gone. I am particularly interested to hear about such group experiences because it refutes the sceptical psychologists who put such events down to being all in the mind. This letter appeared in the May 2013 edition of Share International magazine. Dear Editor, I would like to ask about an experience many years ago. I had a very unpleasant situation. I had been physically attacked and then blackmailed. I became very depressed and withdrawn. After some months, I was beginning to lose my faith in my fellow man. I didn't want to be here and wanted to escape. One day, I felt I couldn't go on, and for the first time in my life had thoughts of ending it all. I then, in desperation, got on my knees and prayed for help. I did a wonderful, sorry, I felt a wonderful, indescribable energy, love and light around me, I felt loved, cherished. It was almost like I was being physically lifted. Tears of joy ran down my cheeks. I'm not sure how long it lasted, but it changed me. I've never felt depressed or low since that day over 10 years ago. I realized I was meant to be here. Could you tell me who was the presence? At the time, I thought it must be an angel. Was it my trayer? And that was from a writer in um, Edinburgh, Scotland. And Benjamin Krem's master confirms that the experience was a blessing from the master Jesus. And now here's another interesting story, originally sourced from the dailybeast.com, which featured in Share International December 2012, headlined, Heaven is Real, a Doctor's Experience of the Afterlife. It was a Newsweek magazine cover story written by neurosurgeon Dr. Eben Alexander. An academic neurosurgeon who taught at Harvard Medical School and other universities, Alexander believed there were scientific explanations for the near-death experiences that many people described. Although he considered himself nominally a Christian, he didn't actually believe in the existence of God. 
However, in 2008, during seven days in a coma when a major part of his brain was not functioning, Alexander had a profound near-death experience that gave him a scientific reason to believe in the existence of God as well as consciousness after death. One morning in the autumn of 2008, after awaking from an intense headache, he became virtually paralyzed within minutes. Alexander was rushed to the emergency room and within hours his entire cortex, which is the part of the brain that controls thought and emotion, had shut down. Doctors at Lynchburg General Hospital in Virginia, a hospital where Alexander himself worked as a neurosurgeon, determined he had contracted a rare form of bacterial meningitis. His chances for survival were deemed to be virtually non-existent. For seven days he lay in a deep coma, his body unresponsive, and his higher order brain functions totally absent. On his seventh day in the hospital, as his doctors decided whether to discontinue treatment, his eyes suddenly opened. Alexander writes, while the neurons of my cortex were stunned to complete inactivity by the bacteria that had attacked them, my brain-free consciousness journeyed to another, larger dimension of the universe, a dimension I'd never dreamed existed, in which the old pre-coma me would have been more than happy to explain was a simple impossibility. But that dimension and rough outline, the same one described by countless subjects of near-death experiences and other mystical states, is there. It exists, and what I saw and learned there has placed me quite literally in a new world, a world where we are much more than our brains and bodies, and where death is not the end of consciousness, but rather a chapter in a vast and incalculably positive journey. Alexander says his experience differs from other near-death experiences because no one, as far as he knows, has ever had such an experience while a major part of their brain was completely shut down and also while their body was under the closest possible medical observation. Scientific arguments against near-death experiences suggest they are the result of a malfunctioning of the cortex. Alexander's near-death experience, however, took place not while his cortex was malfunctioning, but while it was completely non-functioning. This lack of brain activity was confirmed by the severity and duration of the meningitis, as well as by brain scans and neurological examinations. He says, according to current medical understanding of the brain and mind, there is absolutely no way that I could have experienced even a dim and limited consciousness during my time in the coma, much less the hyper-vivid and completely coherent odyssey I underwent, he says. Alexander describes his near-death experience in detail. Flocks of transparent, shimmering beings arced across the sky, leaving long, streamer-like lines behind them. He begins, Birds? Angels? These words registered later when I was writing down my recollections. But neither of these words do justice to the beings themselves, which were quite simply different from anything I have known on this planet. They were more advanced, higher forms. Alexander was accompanied on most of his journey by an angelic being who he took who took a female form. He writes, Without using any words, she spoke to me. The message went through me like a wind, and I instantly understood that it was true. I knew so in the same way that I knew that the world around us was real, was not some fantasy, passing and insubstantial. The message had three parts, and if I had to translate them into earthly language, I'd say they ran something like this. You are loved and cherished dearly forever. You have nothing to fear. There is nothing you can do wrong. We will show you many things here, but eventually you will go back. The woman said, again, without actually using these words, but by driving their conceptual essence directly into me. 
Alexander did indeed go back to his physical body and it took him months to come to terms with his experience. He has written a book, Proof of Heaven, a neurosurgeon's journey into the afterlife to more fully describe what he went through. And that is all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, Love and blessings to you all. Your language.